and thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is January 16th, 2022, Sunday morning, and welcome to your Gordon Ramsay and Video Game Appreciation Podcast. Your host this week, <laughs> myself, Lee and Reed. Hello. He's the man. Gordon Ramsay? Yeah, of course. I'm, yeah, hell yeah. I'm, I'm, back yeah. In, I'm back in another huge kick of uh, Gordon Ramsay, Master back Chef. Back Yeah. Yeah. You gotta. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you have, you literally <laughs> have to. Yeah. Uh, today we'll start our, our Game of the Year 2021 podcast. So that will be at the end, and then we will wrap that up next week. We'll see how far we get, uh, time allowing today, but usually we save the top three games uh, for the following podcast. Build a little suspense uh, if you if you will, Reed. Reed, I watched John Cena in his new television show, Peacemaker. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Wipeout uh, that he's hosting. I watched now. John Cena on <laughs> Wipeout on ABC. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm assuming he's charismatic as fuck on that as well, because Peacemaker is uh, great. Yeah. Go check it out. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's. It, hey, do you like Suicide Squad? Hey, it turns out if you're the top babyface of a company, you might have some charisma. I was just saying to my wife the other day that wrestlers are the only actors that when they transition out of pro wrestling, they're in absolute dog shit movies. And then eventually, like John Cena's in The Marine, uh, D- Dwayne Johnson's in Scorpion King. No offense to Scorpion King. Obviously. And he was in Tooth Fairy. And then Batista was uh, in that fucking right. movie with RVD. <laughs> right. They were dusting off old scripts that Arnold Schwarzenegger passed on 20 years ago. And they're like, Dwayne Johnson could be could be this. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Johnson could fairy. be the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> Yeah, why not? Uh, but John Cena here is—he's uh, got it's on HBO Max, so by all means, go stream or download that. <laughs> there are uh, three episodes in now. It uh, takes place right after the the uh, what happens in Suicide Squad. I think they're doing a very good job. Written and directed. I don't know if all episodes are, but James Gunn is is very heavily involved in the show. Interesting. Uh, so if if you like that Suicide Squad movie, or if you like the tone of those Guardians of the Galaxy movies, he's more or less got a TV show now, where he's just allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants. There's a there's an arcing plot. They they tie everything together. Uh, like I said, John Cena is fantastic. All the supporting cast for the most part is good. There's a CGI bald eagle. Okay. <laughs> uh, that my wife is really d- taken with. She hates birds. Uh, but th- but this this something about this bald ego and the way it's uh, the way it's characterized she's uh, she's all over it so check that out that's my recommendation of the week as far as the TV show goes but let's talk about video games okay. or did you want to talk about that Gordon Ramsay show <laughs> <laughs> so my recommendation for TV show of the week would be Next Level Chef with Gordon Ramsay like so I just kept hearing about this show Next Level Chef uh, please because... read Gordon Ramsay's Next Level Chef yeah so I just kept hearing because I was like I was scouring the MasterChef Reddit right because I'm desperate yeah. for MasterChef content you're shitting you're reading about MasterChef yeah, yeah and people keep mentioning Next Level Chef but no one ever mentions Gordon Ramsay so I just assume it's just like it's a bunch of fucking whoever's did right? I mention it the other day though like a few days ago I'm if like you, oh have you checked out the new Gordon Ramsay did, joint if you did I wasn't paying attention wow <laughs> wow <laughs> Um, so I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll, I'll YouTube it. And sure enough, like some fucking asshole uploaded, I shouldn't say asshole, some beauty uploaded, um, all the episodes full on YouTube already. Some hero. Yeah. Yeah. Some <laughs> unspoken gem. Um, so I turn it on and first thing that happens is I'm going Ramsey. I'm like, yes, <laughs> this is next oh, level like you- chef. Were you saying people were talking about the show but not mentioning that that motherfucker was the, the host? Yeah, they just kept saying, "Hey, this is like wow. this is like a really good show if you like MasterChef." I was like, "Okay, fuck it, I'll check." Maybe it, out. it just goes without saying that Gordon Ramsay's involved if it's like a 
Yeah, you know? but I'm just doesn't even I, need to be said yeah, anymore. I'm happy that like the first words that are spoken is I'm Gordon Ramsay. I've been fuck me. Yeah, <laughs> I've been fucking chicken in the ass for the last twenty years, and for the first time in the last twelve, I made a new competition show, where he just rips off that Korean uh, art film about like the fluid elevator platform that deals I, with social economic classes. We're we're, <laughs> we're encroaching on a hundred episodes of this podcast. I think that's the first time we've gotten a British accent out of you, but I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that's anyway. my TV show. Yeah, video games. Yeah, video games are why we're here. Uh, you know, it's Sunday morning and uh, things are toasty, so we're gonna gonna go on tangents. But that's the fun of it. I I find that when we're in the basement too, I get like a nasally voice. I get like, I get like, I don't know what it is, man. Oh, it's first but thing. We're gonna we're gonna soldier. We're gonna fucking soldier on, bro. Uh, in terms of video games, what have you been playing in the immediate uh, past? <laughs> um, pretty much just a lot of Red Dead Online still. Um, so Jesus since, Christ. So. Yeah, I've gotten, like, three friends to buy it now, so we have, like, a posse of five. Um, Did they just buy the online version? Yeah, just the online version, yes. So my one buddy, especially, who works on the railroad, um, so all he (laughs) does is he either works or he's in his hotel, right? Especially with Omicron out there. So he has just been playing Red Dead, pretty much, and he's, like, level 10 trader already. He's passed me in levels, like, way, like, he's, like, way beyond me already. Uh, Trader, you can power level trader. Uh, it's the easiest to level up quickly, so it's usually if Bounty Hunter isn't, like, the siren call that it is, I would say get Trader first. Yeah, uh, so, like, he's already, like, level 10 Trader. I'm only, like, level 2 Trader. Um, yeah. But I don't Your know. Your friend I... who works on the railroad all the live long day. Yeah, so, like, yeah, he's been just blasting that out, but we've been having a good time. We just hunt a lot of, like, birds. The game design is, is, like, really fucking stupid, especially for trying to figure out how you can maximize your profits during Legendary Bounties. The implications I'm finding online is that you want to wait, like, at least half an hour to turn them in, which is just the drizzling yeah. shits. That's what I was uh, telling you last episode. I'm like, you know, you got to wait to the last second to uh, Yeah, to but I thought, you meant, I thought you meant, like, only with the ones that have an actual timer. But, yeah. no, it turns out with all bounties, even the ones that don't have a timer, you want to wait 30 minutes what? to maximize That's your profits. Fucking... Yeah, I didn't even know that. That's stupid as hell. It's so ass backwards. So we did that. We waited half an hour for one of them, and we made, like, yeah. $200, which is all right. But the main thing is we made, like, fucking 60 cents but, of gold. Like, But the fucking the, – the, the, okay, so from the video game point of view, from the gameplay point of view, the game is asking you to essentially do nothing for 30 minutes. Yeah, it's – they're like, you should take a really long time doing this for some reason. And you're like, why? Like – Shouldn't you be rewarded for doing this as fast as possible? Exactly. And, yeah, it was so weird, too, because the the one that we were doing, it's um, a bunch of ladies go into a warehouse, and they're all dressed the same, and you have to find the right one and take her out. So apparently if you just wait in this one spot for long enough um, and then wait to the last possible second to just run and hogtie her, all her allies will literally just run past you because they won't, like, register you for some reason because their AI is scripted to leave that area now. Yeah. So you just run out the back with their fucking gang leader as they watch you, and then you just leave St. Denis because, and then her, uh, if you leave St. Denis, none of them will chase you because they're only registered to stay in St. Denis because that's where the jail is. So you take her out, and then the next nearest jail is Rhodes, so you just go to Rhodes instead, and then you just go outside of Rhodes and hunt for 25 minutes <laughs> until the 30 minutes is up, and then you turn her in. Because when we do bounties, we're usually just doing it to pass some time so, like, a trader or a moonshine mission can get yeah. uh, progressed. 
Uh, so we're we're usually never fucking with that. We we just turn turn it in. Move oh yeah, on. but like we uh, want we want big gold right away to like customize guns. Me and my buddy both just got dual Colt Navy revolvers, which is like the best well, fucking I mean, pistol. Oh. Uh, I was gonna say spoiler alert. You that then you have two of the best gun in the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's uh, so fucking good, dude. When you fan the hammers on both of them, it it's ridiculous, ridiculous. Uh, the other best gun of the game is the volcanic. The volcanic is no. Is I hate not pistols. Imagine playing a western and using a pistol. Super Listen, lame. <laughs> I'm just telling you the facts, okay? My uh, my character dual wields a uh, a volcanic and a navy revolver. The navy revolver is all like black, and then the uh, I, I think I showed you the picture. The the volcanic I like had the ivory handle and like all the pearl and shit like that. And I call them ebony and ivory. Uh, and then I just I cringe myself. Yeah, no, uh, I can I can only ever do two of the same revolver because like. Yeah, I, I gotta. I can't you can't not. do asymmetrical dual wielding? No, I can't. Like, it bothers the shit out of me. <laughs> is that just guns? Or is that, like, if you like, were in Skyrim, like, could okay, you do, like, an axe like, and a sword? Yeah, like, that is not bad if they're the same type. Like, I can do a steel axe and a steel sword, okay? But I can't do, like, okay. a, I can't do like a dwarven <laughs> sword and an orc axe, for example, okay? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, okay. And Aesthetically, for I, another, I get Another it, I example, Halo 3. Like, if I have one, one hand an SMG and the other a Needler, I'm, like, it bothers me. I'll use it because, like, it's Halo, so I don't really care that much, but it bothers the fuck out of me. But when, it comes, to, like, uh, when it comes to Red Dead, no. Two of the same pistol every time. Or revolver. It's fucking weird. If I'm not mistaken, you do have to do you have to buy the cosmetic upgrades on each gun individually, or if you unlock yes. it on one, do you have it on the other? I think you have to buy them individually. Yes. Yeah, each gun yeah. is considered a separate gun. It's not yes. like you unlock yeah, the and cosmetic. That's, yeah, yeah, that's why they have those symbols like the club and diamonds. Oh, dude, can I warn you about something about that? What? Uh, the same goes for horses. So if you up if you get a saddle on a horse and then you update. If you, like, put a light or, like, a, a, a little package, like a... Uh, we're talking purely cosmetics now. Sure, if you sure. put, like, a satchel or a backpack on the side of your horse saddle or whatever, yeah. and then you switch horses, uh, that you have to buy it again. It's it's separate. It's oh. considered, like, a separate oh, well, saddle that's on fine. a separate I, horse. I, I recently just bought the $1,000 best horse, so I don't have anything to worry about, I don't think. Well, you, you can't have the best horse, because you have to unlock the best horses through leveling up your rolls. Oh, well, I got a horse that has 8 out of 10 speed and, like, 7 out of 10 acceleration. So, like, I'm, I'm totally fine. I, like, I, me and my buddy were testing because he was using the Arabian and I was using the Missouri Foxtrotter. So he has, like, 6 out of 10 <laughs> speed. I have 8 out of 10 speed. And I don't r- know how to max out those bars, like, their, their speed bars, because if I did, it'd be 9 out of 10 speed. Um, I got to Google that. Um but, like, the speed difference is honestly pretty negligible, even. Like, we didn't see that big of a difference, and he didn't take that much longer to get from point A to point B than I did. No. Also, if you're being bros, uh, because there's so much horse riding to and from in that game, you should just jump on the back of your buddy's horse, and then the next time he jumps on the back of yours, so only one of you has to deal with that shit at all times. Oh, no, we use we all use cinematic camera mostly now if we need to do a hard set mission or go somewhere hard. Um, but a lot of the times also we'll stop like a million times on the way to pluck feathers for trader and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Red Dead's always a good time. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's, it's not it's, always, but sure. It's, it's good with a bunch of friends to play with cause you can make your own fun. I would never, I couldn't imagine really playing this game by myself for too long cause I get bored pretty quick. Yeah. Um, that's make your own fun is the key. Right yeah, there. so besides that, I've been playing Dark Souls 3 on my stream, which has been going really well. I haven't died to any boss more than once. Uh, like, 
I, like, it's a, such a weird thing because, like, I think these games, like, anybody could find them really easy if they just really focused on the fact that Dark Souls is an RPG and therefore very exploitable in a lot of ways. Like, if you just focus on one weapon and upgrade it as much as possible, as early as possible, and get souls, like, you're fucking two-shotting everything. I was fighting the Abyss Watchers, I just held my R2, and I three-shotted it because he came charging at me like an idiot. Um, so I've been playing Dark Souls 3, and I've been also blitzing my way through and almost finished now Bloodborne again, which is, this is my third ever playthrough. Bloodborne again? Yes, Bloodborne again. And man, I love this game so much more than Dark Souls and Dark Souls 3. It's kind of crazy. Um, I I want to say a big part of that is due to the trick weapons. Like, just so fucking cool and fun to play with. And, like, the, the combo... Like, I shouldn't say combos because they're not so much combos. But, like, the movesets that they have are so diverse and unique and uh, fun to play with. And the fact that they all... You can upgrade them all with the singular upgrade item makes it a lot more accessible in that sense. Um, and that was the right way to go due to the small amount of weapons that they do have. Um, yeah, you're saying allowing someone to upgrade the weapon that they choose versus waiting to have... Yeah. But in an RPG, the, the argument there would be then that forces you to maybe switch weapons or try to switch your playstyle up, which is what you don't want to do in a Souls game. No, like, like in Bloodborne, there's no punishment for sticking with a single weapon throughout the entire thing. I think their thought process for this is, like, we have all these really cool trick weapons and, like, people love them. They do a bunch of cool shit. Um, we don't want to discourage anyone from being locked out of weapons aside from stats. Like, we don't want to be anybody to be locked out of trying to use these weapons because, or X, Y, or B. So let's all have them the same upgrade path, and then everything's X, just... X, Y, or B? Uh, X, Y, or C? <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh... I thought you were doing some, like, next-level shit there. Next-level chef. <laughs> uh... Next-level chef. But yeah, um, besides that, just uh, the DLC absolutely makes that game, like I said before, I think, on this podcast. It's uh, yeah, very wonderful. As a matter of fact. Very wonderful piece of content that has added many good weapons, armor sets, uh, and especially bosses. Um, but going through the main story is, of course, always fun. I just beat Mikolash first shot, thankfully, because that guy's an asshole. He's more like one of those puzzle bosses, and he runs away from me the entire time. Fucking pain in the ass. Um, yeah, just not much to say about Bloodborne, because, like... I've said everything about the game. It's fast. It's frantic. Uh, the story and setting is completely unique, and there's nothing like it. I, like, uh, like it definitely does take a lot of inspiration from Castlevania in early levels, but I think it becomes something entirely unique about the halfway point, and especially towards the end, and especially in the DLC as well. The DLC is kind of like a mini path of that too. Whereas in the first, there's three levels in the DLC. The first level is like very classic Bloodborne Hunter stuff, like lots of beasts around, um, lots of blood, lots of other hunters to kill. The second level is called the Academy, which is very reminiscent of the middle section of the Bloodborne main story, which is uh, you're starting to get hints of that Lovecraftian stuff, lots of scholars talking about uh, finding insight and stuff like that. Then the third section is very reminiscent of the end of Bloodborne Main Story, where you're actually interacting with Eldritch Truth. Uh, as you're going into the fishing hamlet with lots of fish people, and you deal with the Great Old One itself and its uh, orphaned child. 
Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Orphan of Cost is going to absolutely wreck my fucking shit. Uh, so that's going to be at least right. Tony tries. From Software should make a Castlevania game. You're right. <laughs> the, you're right, honestly, you're right. Honestly, they probably make a pretty fucking good one. Um, but I know how it would control. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been uh, plainly? Oh my god. Uh, so I've been trying to blitz my way through the Guardians of the Galaxy game. and uh, The game of the been, year. D- dude, it's been an absolute pleasure. That game is very, very good. I know um, you you and two other people from work won't stop talking about it. Yeah, it's it's I've compared it before favorably uh as like Final Fantasy 7 remakes combat system uh with a kind of a Mass Effect-esque pacing, but the game just keeps moving. Like the characters the, like there's a few times of of downtime when you're either in a flashback or you're hanging on the Milano and you can like talk to the different characters before moving on. Uh, and it's like Mass Effect in that way. Only Mass Effect doesn't behoove you to move the plot forward all the time. So it gets kind of marred in uh, the, the sense of urgency in this game is more because it's only telling one story. There isn't su- like side quest content. Oh, that's it's nice. just telling you a narrative. You're just along for the ride. You're leveling up. You're making the decisions as you go. Uh, there's There's certain implications in the game. I don't know how wide... Uh, the implications are for the different things you choose. Me and Nick haven't really talked about that in, in terms of spoilers and like, hey, what did you choose during this and did it actually change anything? Uh, but the game constantly has that thing popping up where it's just like, hey, yeah, you you succeeded in this, blah, blah, blah. And some of it is is masterfully done. Uh, there's, there's something as simple uh, where I was at in the game recently where you just have to distract a bad guy, just like keep him talking while Rocket like uh, hacks some shit. And uh, it's a it's a very good scene uh, because it's bumbling and it's awful and like it, it like everybody's the characters are uh, personified here in a way that I think they are it, they are better than they are in the movie. That this is the best Guardians of the Galaxy we've gotten like in terms of of character performance. Uh, Drax in particular here, it, nothing against Batista at all, who's entertaining as fuck as Drax. Yeah. Uh, but this Drax is takes that and just kind of. Doesn't need to. They don't need to conclude these character arcs. I think is what I'm trying to say. This is a game that's telling its own story in its own canon in its own world that doesn't have to worry about setting up something else. It doesn't. It's not setting up an Avengers movie. It's not setting up the next thing to come. It is telling the best story it can in the universe that it is set. Uh, and I think that is why I'm enjoying it over something like an MCU where you're constantly like, well, what will the implications of that be? All these throwaway things that don't matter. This game allows you to experience that world uh, and know that it's its its own little bubble. Um, and the, the, you know, to a lesser extent, the Sony Spider-Man game was kind of like that. While it is its own thing and you can enjoy it on those merits, it's setting up Miles Morales and it's setting up uh, all these things to come. Uh, in a way that th- this just doesn't. This is just having a good fucking time. And uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, and we'll be talking more about Guardians of the Galaxy in the Game of the Year discussions coming up very shortly. So I'll, I'll kind of leave it there. But uh, great game. It's on sale constantly now. Uh, if, if you're interested in a, let's say, 20 to 30 hour... I, I'm thinking it clocks in around that for the story. Uh, there is some replayability in that there is some collectibles. There's outfits and stuff to collect. Uh, it, d- different collectibles and little... Uh, things on the side. If you're a comic book fan, uh, that's kind of the bent that the collectibles and stuff are this is, are going to. It's references to this or that, and yeah. it's uh, pulling on the deep lore of the comic book Guardians of the Galaxy uh, versus referencing the movie. And in fact, there are very few references to the movie. Could you enjoy this game having not seen the movie? Yes. Will you enjoy this game more if you've seen the movie? Uh, you'll have a, a, a head start, 
and this game is pulling like every character like it's it's you know mantis is in this thing cosmos yeah. in this thing uh the collector and all that kind of stuff if you already watched the movies and you're familiar with these characters uh i feel like there's a, a you immediately endear yourself to them more here because the performances are heightened or different uh like mantis's performance here is a little bit different uh gamora in the game is a little more likable and she's she's a bit more of a, a she has a bit more not an emotion but there's there's more likability to Gamora in this game than there never is in the movies. I don't know what your opinion is of uh, of that performance, but Groot's Groot, uh, Rocket here is fantastic. It like this guy. I, I should look up these fucking voice actors, man. But like the Bradley Cooper performance is distilled here, uh, and maybe even more curmudgeonly. The thing that they do here is they they really step up the the swearing. Uh, oh. and it's of course like fake future swearing, so it's Flark and Scut and all these words. Uh, but Rocket will just go into these fucking tirades of saying all these, like, future swears, and it's like, it, it works. At first, it's like, man, but then it kind of grows on you, and you start hearing these words as actual cusses. Like, when you hear Flark, you you do think fuck, and it becomes <laughs> funny to have this raccoon that's just constantly fucking swearing like <laughs> a sailor. Uh, it's very good. I recommend it. I know you were, you were saying, like, hey, Marvel stuff, eh. Uh, but if you want a game that's just going to demand your attention, this is not a game you can watch something or listen to a podcast while you play the the game has filled in every gap with characterization to the point where when you first start playing it it's a little overwhelming that these characters are talking so much to one another uh, and uh, like final fantasy 7 remake was another one where like man these characters sure are fucking talky they're more talky in guardians of the galaxy but there's so many lines of dialogue and uh as the game progresses uh you 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 know, it's also got that thing where you, you, if you go off the beaten path to go collect some collectibles or whatever, they're all like talking shit about you. It's like, yeah. oh, we're checking, we're checking out closets and under stairs and shit now, Peter. Uh, <laughs> but there's, you won't hear the same line of dialogue. Like it's insane. The production value of this game is is crazy. The licensing, like all the music they have in this game, and uh, like you, there's a flashback and Peter has a Pac-Man cake. And I'm like, well, you can't simply use Pac-Man in your game. You have to ask Namco. Uh, Kate, can we use Pac-Man? Like, little stuff like that, but to the nth degree. Like, like things in Peter's room. You're like, oh, that's a Cle that's an actual ColecoVision, like, in name. It's not, like, a fake ColecoVision. So someone had to ask them about that. Like, all these little things, little Yeah, they, off they offered Coleco a $50, a $50 Applebee's gift card. Yeah. Can we, like, we'll, okay, we'll okay. send you <laughs> the VIP Applebee's experience for $50. You eat like a king, and we get to use your, your fucking console in our in our game <laughs> we'll take uh, anything <laughs> it's uh what's really cool uh and that not a lot of people are talking about in the in the sound design music design of this game is that james gunn introduced that like 70s pop soundtrack uh that you just associate with guardians now uh that ha has been aped and copied uh even by james gunn himself in something like suicide squad using that really poppy soundtrack and in the game here they've aged uh, they've taken Peter's age and maybe increased it by 10 years. His mom is, uh, it's like mid-80s. So you, it's a lot of pop. And it's a lot of, like, glam rock. <clears throat> and they just kind of seamlessly just just change what that music scape is. Uh, so you're listening to, like, Joan Jett. And you're listening to Aha, Take On Me. And you're listening to uh, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley while you're kicking ass and stuff. And it's like... <laughs> It's, it's it's completely different and yet evocative in the in the same way. It's just like no, just put pop music in there and that's it works. It's hey, just, is Peter blonde? Uh, he is blonde. Oh, why? I don't know. I just that was curious because he's com he's blonde in comics and he's uh, uh he's and the performance as I've said many times is Chris Jericho. 
And if you listen to this motherfucker's line reads as if he's Chris Jericho, uh, it will enhance your experience if you are a Jericho-holic. So check <laughs> check that fucking out. Uh, yeah, man. Like, I'm telling you, check it. Check that game out when you can. It's uh, it's cool. I, I, I'm curious to see what happens from here. The story of that game is that Square Enix fucked up their own AAA game, uh, not only in releasing the Avengers, which was just like the wettest of farts, but then doing the trailer they did for this game that didn't really show it off properly. Uh, it, it tried to highlight some of the comedy stuff and didn't really g- give you a good sense of the combat or where the story was headed, because the story goes places in this, and there's like emotional pulls to the story uh, that you're maybe not expecting. Like, there's there's themes in here, and that the character performances are so good that it, it works. Uh, the, the, I don't know. Check. Fucking check it out. Uh, read. Of Matt. Uh, I've been playing some Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, uh, which is those are those are good games. But oh, Pokemon God, Arceus is like upon us, man. Yeah, I haven't fucking played uh, Pokemon while Pokemon in a while. Yeah, um, I'm like six badges in, and I just I don't know. It fell out of fell out of my Pokemon uh, streak at that point. Where does it rank for you in terms of generations? Do you do you like the map? Do you like the slow? Like Pearl and Diamond are like some of the slowest oh, yeah. as, laid out. For what I have played so far for the main story, because I haven't played the originals, right? Um, yeah, I like it better than like I like it better than Gen Three and probably Black and White. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I like it's Pokemon, man. Like uh, it's classic. I can't Pokemon. remember Pokemon X and Y. I can't remember anything about them. Oh, I, like, I don't like remember X- the map or the. I I like X and Y. Yeah, like the map itself wasn't entirely memorable because it wasn't like an interconnected thing or anything like that. Um, but you know, I have fond memories of it. I thought like the variety of Pokemon was nice. I thought uh, the game played fine. I don't know. It's it's fucking all Pokemon, <laughs> man. It's all the same shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I mean, that's the that's the hope of Arceus. It's coming soon. People. So we haven't had any early reviews. Or real hot takes on that game yet. Uh, but they just keep showing off the battle system. They keep showing off. It's just like this is the thing that is different. The the Pokemon moves don't work the way they used to. Stealth Rock deals instant damage. Uh, th- these these kind of like little tidbits that people are pulling out. It's like it's going to be a completely new uh, JRPG. Like the battle system's not going to be at all yeah. what you remember it to be. Yeah. So. Like I don't even know if it's going to interact with like a home in a sense. Uh, no. As far as I know, that will not be the case unless they do something. Because Pokemon Go is another game where the, the Pokemon battle system and the way moves work and stuff are nothing like... Yeah, like, uh, I don't even think there's going to be classic stats in this in the sense. Well, no, we know the HP is... We, we, from screenshots and shit like that, we know, like, fucking Piplup's got 100 HP at level 6 or whatever, right? So Oh, okay, Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, it's going to be weird, man. It's going to be something new entirely. It's going to be... It sounds here's fun. The new, <laughs> here's the new hotness. It's make a Monster Hunter slash Breath of the Wild... Oh, excuse me. Uh, that's that coffee can spicy. I, can I take my Pokemon out when I'm not even battling and just like chill? I believe you can just like pimp around with them. Yeah, that's like Fuck, a that's yeah. like a standard now. Yeah, yeah, let me just go climb a mountain with a Houndoom, man. Uh, you know, Pokemon started uh, based on one boy's uh, adventures catching insects in Japan, and now we will make a feudal Japanese version of that game where you hunt and fight God. Uh, that their Pokemon Legends Arceus. There you go. Yeah, you like it. it doesn't matter what JRPG you're playing. You're fighting God at some point, so, right? I'm so curious because Reed, we're not like. Listen, I this is a worst case scenario, 
but this expands the Pokemon lore in a way that has never been expanded before. When you think oh, about, I, I don't really give a care about. No, that. but like this is like this is like a Star Wars Episode One for Pokemon. In that, if they're going to dive into people being afraid of Pokemon or thinking they're aliens or gods, or like if we're if we're actually going to have that conversation about Pokemon that me and you kind of had during our multi-part Pokemon series conversation. Uh, then I hope the answers are satisfying. I, we've we've never delved into the yes. before times of I Pokemon. Wouldn't, I wouldn't get my hopes up, Lee. I think the most we're going to get out of this story is not anything deep, even on a surface level. I think it's <laughs> going to be... That Pokemon's a shark! Watch out! <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a bunch of people that have been like, oh, I don't know where Pokemon came from, but they've always been here, and they're scary because we can't, like, you know, do anything about them. And then, like at the, some, yeah. and then at some point you discover Pokeballs and then they're like, oh, now we can do something about the Pokemon. And then <laughs> no, you're like, there but are you, slaves. and you have to be like, no, but you also have to be nice. They're your friends. And then they're all going to be like, oh, you're right. And then Arceus will show up at some point and then it'll be implied that he created Pokemon, but they're not going to like, they're not going to have like a whole fucking like cutscene where like Arceus came down a thousand years ago and killed dinosaurs, then like turn their bones into Pokemon or some shit. Now we're talking. You know where that come like, from? I'm just saying that's that, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we would want, but that's not what's going to happen. Like they're going to like imply it in a single line. Like, hmm, maybe Arceus had something to do with the creation of Pokemon. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's going to be it. That's going to be it. Um, so, but yeah, I would anime... love it. I would love it if they were like, <laughs> if they're like, yeah, fucking Arceus came down and like. Like the world was. Where's he fog. coming down from? What do you keep saying? I don't know. Came down. Like where, from like <laughs> where does the afterlife. Come from? down from? <laughs> I don't know. So like, Pokemon in the anime, the in the Mount Moon episode. This is going back thirty years. Uh, is is the, they crashed? There's an asteroid or a meteor or whatever hit Mount Moon, and the Clefairies came, came pouring out of it. And I always accepted that as like that's where Clefairies came from. They're like a moon Pokemon. But then it it they kind of extrapolated that to be like no no all Pokemon came into being in this in this way they've they've come from space or they've like the the true lore is is a bit muddled uh because of course the other question is is like is there regular wildlife on on the planet in the anime we see that there's fish and birds that aren't pokemon and they eat things like steak and you have to assume are they eating tauros and meltank or are they (laughs) eating cows that could exist or how does this like you can't go too far down that road people to do a real surface level like what's the most what would be the most delicious pokemon to eat and it's like that's not the question the question is it are they already being eaten is way more fascinating to me like what how does the (laughs) world work uh i don't think anybody put that thought into that though you know what i mean like well definitely not now i think we don't don't want like a gritty i'm just saying I, i think people are searching for answers that are never there you know it's like it's like trying to find the hidden meaning in wcw booking or something like it's, it's not there. There's no reason for any of this, all right? And that's it's why squash, in man. Gen 4, yeah. any implications they may have given to the creation myth of Pokemon coming from space has is shot out the window because they're just like, no, Arceus created Pokemon. You're like, okay. And yeah, but then there's like Deoxys is like an alien Pokemon. Sure, but you could say, like, it's, like, that one, like, sure, but there's outliners to this, of course, there's uh, Deoxys and there's Genesect, because they're, like, man-made, futuristic, whatever the fuck. And there's all the, like, the para-dimension Pokemon. Yeah, I'm saying there's, yes, I'm saying there's outliers to these Pokemon, and especially, like, Ultra Beasts and stuff like that. 
but for the vast majority of Pokemon, we know now that they were just created by Arceus, and that's that's it's it's canon. Like, there's no disproving that. <laughs> it's called it's called faith. Damn it. Yeah, like you, you can. It you don't. Yeah, you can say that Rattata came from the fucking moon all you want, but it's not true. It came from Arceus. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Facebook ad. Yeah, like that Rattata came from the moon. Damn it. Uh, let's run real quick through some news. Last of Us voice actor Troy Baker makes an absolute fool of himself uh, talking about selling voice NFTs from a company whose entire plan is to turn voice actors into something of the past because they can just make AI versions. And then in, uh, instead of immediately apologizing for being an absolute fuckhead and buying into a scam, he's just like, hey, I appreciate the conversation on both sides. You're like, motherfucker, there's nobody on your side in this. <laughs> The the worst part is like the cringy like you can either complain or you can like make art or whatever is like clearly something that they said to him in terms of like pitching it. It's like what if what if my fan base uh, doesn't agree with this? Oh, just tell them this and you'll seem like a cool guy because uh, that's what Troy Baker wants to be. He wants to be a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, he wants to be a really cool guy. Uh, Stalker Two is delayed until December. It was never really dated. Uh, but I think it was expected to be out in May or something like that. So that game's going to be out in December now and, and looks good. It'll fill a fallout-shaped uh, hole in your heart if you just want something to cruise around in. Yep. Uh, Kirby's new game, which is also set in a post-apocalypse. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land will be out at the end of March, officially, the 25th. Uh, Attack on Titan DLC comes to Call of Duty Warzone and Vanguard. Did you see some <laughs> screenshots of this? Yeah, I saw some of like it's, it's just, like it's a little embarrassing. It's just some bullshit cosmetic stuff. Like it's and I was I was telling you this offlinely, but it's funny too because we're in the final season of Attack on Titan, uh, and I was a manga reader, so I read the manga a long time ago. Um, it fucking ends badly. It doesn't, it's not like, it's not like a Game of Thrones thing where like the last whole act is just like this big pile of shit. It's just like, it's just a bunch of unsatisfying things happen at the end and then the story ends and everybody's kind of in the same position they started in. Um, so it's going to be like, it's already interesting that like they're already pushing for this much. It's, it's weird that they're pushing for this much like publicity, like so late in their career when Attack on Time was always like this. Like, it's like they're cool guys and it's the mature anime, you know what I mean? Maybe that's the only that's the only thing that would sign a brand deal with Activision right now. This is Attack on Titans, like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah, well, yeah. Respect it's... all women. Take our, <laughs> take our money. Yeah, Japan our respecting women. <laughs> speaking, speaking of which, Lego delays Overwatch 2. Uh, Lego was making an Overwatch 2 set. Overwatch 2 isn't even a game that exists yet. Like, that's not even out. But apparently there was going to be a Lego set. Dude, no one even knows what the Blizzard. fuck Overwatch 2 even is. They're like, yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of with Overwatch 1, but it's its own game, and there's new modes, but there's also the same old modes, and then you might need to upgrade it, but who knows? That's so fucking weird. That's so weird that... Okay, so the, the idea was that they delayed Diablo and they delayed Overwatch 2 because of all the, the shit that's going on. Sure. Uh, so what's super bizarre about that... So yeah, it's it was supposed to be out in February, and it's a, it is not an Overwatch Lego set. It's an Overwatch Two Lego set. So you have to assume that the the, the game was meant to be out by now, that oh, the yeah. game is finished, and that they're just holding it because their fucking name is shit. Yeah, probably. Uh, so bizarre. There's there's more to it than that, but we'll we'll fucking talk about it another time. Read it this time for the game of the year. Oh my god, 
let me just do some boomer shit here that I've written down. Uh, so the categories are old game of the year, most surprising game of the year, best exclusive game of the year, best new character, best moment in games 2021, most disappointing game, worst ongoing series or genre, biggest news story, most anticipated game, and if there is time, we will start on the top seven games of the year, top five will be ranked, and then two honorable mentions. Uh, and then we we don't we don't follow the rules. Aren't you uh, uh, aren't you missing biggest news story and most anticipated game? No, I said those both. Oh well, never mind. Yep, before the top seven thing, I was just going real fast. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say we don't we don't uh, hold people to the law. Obviously, if someone gives an answer that we feel is out of bounds, we will uh, we'll, we'll talk, we'll discuss it, we'll we'll make you defend your life, so to speak. Uh, we'll make you into an idiot sandwich, uh, but it, it it doesn't matter. Uh, we don't take this too seriously, and uh, it's just for a good time. Reed, what is the old game of the year? So my old game of the year for 2021 was the Resident Evil 2 remake for PlayStation 4. Um, yeah, so like like I've said before in this podcast, I've never played a Resident Evil game before. I bought that when it came out, but I never ended up playing it because I was too scared. Uh, this year, I finally worked up the courage and decided to go headstrong into it, and goddamn, glad I did. Super fun to play, uh, incredible level design, um, tight, concise gameplay, smooth frames, uh, yeah, fantastic game, was happy to play it, played it like three or four times, and I uh, went on to play Resident Evil 3 because of it, and yeah, just and here you are awesome. now. Yeah. Uh, my old game of the year goes to Skyrim, specifically the anniversary day, <laughs> 2021 was the year of like the backlog and catching Todd up. Todd Howard, playing. you did it Todd again. Todd Howard. He did it. Todd Howard. <laughs> Smattering of a plot. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, if you can take a game that's 10 years old and you can make me f- feel even one-tenth like I'm playing it for the first time, that's pretty special. And the anniversary edition uh, was that for me. It was just a nice cleaned up version of that game. Uh, with some some extra bells and whistles. I don't like using user-created mods that aren't like Creation Club mods. That's just me. Hey, do you. Do you. you those elves can have the biggest dicks you want. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, for me, uh, the survival mode and, and us kind of talking about Skyrim and, and taking it slow, you know? Yeah. To, just slow. not being able to fast travel everywhere. Just smelling the roses of Skyrim and appreciating uh, this game that has mostly become a meme uh, for what it what it truly is. And that is, uh, a, it's, a master, it's a masterpiece, I think. It's, think. In its own weird way, despite how bad it is, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's flawed. It's a yeah. flawed masterpiece. Yeah, like, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how any way else to put it because there's so many things that are just bad about it. But despite all of that, it all works in its favor to be like this pseudo fantasy life simulator that you kind of experience. Yeah, exactly. It's it's it is uh it's not a video game anymore. It's it's above that. Like you know those horror <laughs> movies. Like I shouldn't say horror movies. Like you know those movies or shows where like a person is transported to like a fake world and they're sure. like they're interacting with the John people, Carter of Mars yeah. and like those people just start repeating the same lines and they realize they're in like this fucking horror movie. Like that would be like Skyrim. Would be like, oh god, I can only say like two things to this person. Oh shit. Oh god. <laughs> but like you you know. Like, you know when you go to Riverbend, you know you're going to see Sven walking down the street. Riverwood, you, know? you mean. How dare you. Sure, sure. Okay. You know what? That's enough. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> most surprising game of the year. Uh, so my most surprising game of the year this year was Chivalry 2 for the play, for the PC. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 
uh, so me and my buddy bought it on a whim because we like we wanted to just find like this multiplayer game where you could wreck shit. Uh, I thought you were gonna put aliens. I thought you were gonna say aliens. <laughs> it's not that good of a game. Um, uh, you might see it later though, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we bought it on total whim. It was cheap, and we're like, okay, like you know, who knows what this will be like. Goddamn, like super fun, uh, easy to pick up. Something that you can blast away for 30 minutes an hour uh, with your buddy. Uh, really fun situations that happen because of it and really gets you immersed and into it. Nothing but good things to, sh- to say about Chivalry. Visceral. Yeah, visceral, yeah. yeah. To say about Chivalry 2, if you have 50 bucks to spend and enjoy uh, like a simple yet uh, easy to understand but hard to master uh, controls with... Uh, unique combat settings with pvp it's good time well my most surprising game of the year and we've already kind of talked it to death earlier in this episode so just go listen to that um, <laughs> the guardians of the galaxy has to be it like oh my uh, god other I'm than idos montreal other than idos montreal being being attached to it and you being like well they know their way around a video game for the most part uh the the taste in my mouth from that avengers game and anything to do with Marvel or the MCU or, or comic book games is kind of, man, like, you know, I'll, t- I'll play another Spider-Man. I'll play another Wolverine. But a Guardians of the Galaxy game where they're this talky and they're this, uh, uh, and then you play it and you're like, oh, this is good. Uh, this, oh, maybe this is great. Uh, and that is, hey. I-, I feel so bad for them. Uh, that their game has to be like this backhanded, like, you know, that game's actually good instead of people just embracing it uh, like they may have if they knew what it was or if Square Enix didn't fucking muddy the water so bad. Uh, but here we are. That is hey, the most surprising got, game of the year. I got nothing but love for Eidos Montreal. They made uh, Deus Ex, man. Fucking The Deus, Deus Ex. That's yeah. right. Uh, what is the best exclusive game of the year, Reed? Um, so for this one, I gave it to Ratchet and Clank or Rift Apart for the PlayStation 5. This one was kind of hard because, like, like even something like Halo, you can't really consider an exclusive if it's on two different consoles at this point. Um, and even then, I would think Ratchet and Clank. I enjoyed my overall experience out of it more in the end. Uh, but Ratchet and Clank: uh, Ripped Apart was a very competent, well done, tight package of a video game, uh, paced very well. Uh, good variety of weapons, good story, good characters. Uh, not the best Ratchet and Clank game in my opinion, but a very strong contender, easily in the top three probably. Um, performed great, didn't experience any bugs. Very wide variety of gameplay and a fun new game plus setting. Uh, as far as just like a classic video game experience, it brought me right back to when I was fucking like 10 years old uh with my playstation 2 on christmas morning with uh going commando so i got nothing but positive things to say about ratchet and clank rift apart wow the way i think of it is just like i i don't currently have a ps5 and it's like do i is there a game that came out this year that i don't have access to i thought about like returnal i thought about like ratchet and clank and I'm like, I could live forever without oh, yeah, having. D- d- yeah, yeah, my my PlayStation fires my Demon Souls and Bloodborne machine, and I can play Red Dead on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I think about yeah, Halo Infinite, and just being like, well, it's not a great game, 
uh, but it, and it's not really exclusive anymore. It's on PC. It's on it's on Xbox. Yeah. I think of Nintendo. And I'm like the the answer here in terms of math, in terms of money uh, generated by a game, the answer is actually Mario Party Superstars is the best exclusive game of 2021. <laughs> but then I had to extrapolate that further and say that without competition, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Edition for the Switch is technically the best exclusive game, and it's still a game this that year? is. No, it came out the year the Switch came out, but it's it's outselling everything else. But that uh, it so, has to be this year, doesn't it? I know, I know. I got philosophical about it. Uh, so I was like, "What? So what is the best exclusive then?" And I'm like, "The thing that is has generated the most hype, and that I would most want to try." So without having played it, I would say that the best exclusive game of the year is Halo Infinite, and that's kind of a that's kind of it's me shitting on answer. the year. Yeah. yeah, it is a weird. It, it was a quantified answer. It was just like if I didn't have an Xbox, if I didn't have a PC that could run it. What game would I be most curious to try based on what people are saying about it? Now, consider that people are saying that this game is a 9 and a 10. Mm, uh, and that yeah. the grappling hook is great. And that the story is, hey, it's old. old I'd be like, oh, man, I, want, I like old Halo. I want to play that. And then I'd play it, and I would be very disappointed. <laughs> but I'm going to say that in terms of an exclusive, in terms of a console mover, in terms of a conversation generator, uh, that that's the one. It's Halo Infinite. It's bigger, bigger than anything Sony put out this year in terms of conversation yep uh next best new character so for me this was an easy choice and this was commander shepherd from mass effect legendary edition keeping in mind that i did not play mass effects before this so legendary edition was my first exposure to the game series um commander shepherd like it i can't think of many other protagonists that i played as that i f have fallen in love with as much as i did with shepherd like maybe Geralt. um like Kratos, of course, um, like Final Fantasy characters sometimes and stuff like Joel. that. Joel, yeah. But like Commander Shepard is just like, like since they're their own, they're their own person. And in a lot of cases, you don't have control over them, but you can generally steer the direction their personality veers. So it's kind of like you're forming a friendship with this character uh, because you help them out, but they're still their own person. It's hard to like, it's hard to put into words, but um, I picked Femme Shepherd for all three games. So I, I know Jennifer Hale and I thought personally she did a much better performance than uh, Mark Muir, even though he was great as male Shepherd. But I thought Femme Shepherd uh, was a very unique character, especially for the time, because it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like this female character a strong character that constantly needed to assert that she was a strong female character. She just was. Well, because uh, it's the exact same dialogue, either yeah, Shepard, right? Yeah, and it felt so natural. And it's like, yes, if, like, that's what I imagine the future being is not like, like, no one, like, th like there's nobody on both sides arguing about any of this stuff. It's just, it's so natural and, um, and great and her performance was fantastic and her interactions with all the characters and garris and uh tolly was just fantastic and mass effect 3 was just a wonderful game and jennifer hale's performance was just just fucking wonderful um so yeah Sh commander shepherd one of my favorite characters of all time easily uh i always have trouble with this one 
I'm, I always try to think of a character that's like new and has endeared me. Obviously, in Animal Crossing, uh, there's there's Wardle, I believe his name is. There's been a ton of new characters introduced there that are all fantastic. Uh, but I want to shout out uh, the game Boyfriend Dungeon in some way. I think this is the place to do it. And that I felt the writing, for the most part, in that game was pretty solid. Uh, you get a really eclectic group of characters, uh, and you have uh, very different interactions with them, depending on what you divulge and, and how you go. Uh, but I laughed out loud at a character in that game, the Tall War, named Sunder, uh, who is like this himbo. He's got his shirt open all the time, just eight-pack abs, uh, brown skin, long hair, holding a rose in his teeth kind of dude. And uh, he, the whole time, he's mysterious and he's brooding, and he's not what I was going for in that game. But he's the first guy you meet, and he's the first weapon you get. And it's uh, you, you do a lot with him earlier on tutorial-wise, and then later on you can explore your, your relationship. And I kind of just shut this person out the whole time. So when the twist happens, where Sunder reveals that he's actually like a 200-year-old vampire, and he's trying to like act like this has shattered my world and like it's really shook me up, and I just no-sell it, it was making me laugh out loud the way, the way it was written. Uh, where someone thought like, well, what if someone doesn't give a shit that there's a vampire in this game? And they let they left a path there for me. And I had a really funny interaction with that character who just kind of then becomes obscure uh, in, in your story of that game. But a lot of the characters in that game uh, have, have their moments. Uh, and uh, I'm going to say that that character really stood out for me. And that moment in particular really stood out to me as, as being good. But uh, honestly, uh, if I could say like also Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy, like, this version of Drax yeah. is maybe a character I want to see pro proceed in video games. Like, if they make a Guardians of the Galaxy 2 video game somehow and Drax isn't in it, I'd be bummed because, like, that that characterization of him is so fucking good. Uh, okay, we're, we're running up to 50 minutes here, so this is probably going to be a splitter. Uh, we can keep going. We can stop. What are you, what are you feeling, Reed? That's entirely up to you, man. Uh, I can send you two files or I can send you one. Let's try to hit... Two more categories, All right, and then we'll, we'll save the rest. Yeah, let's do best moment in games 2021. Easy, uh, FF Stranger <laughs> Paradise memes. That's it. <laughs> uh, the the edgy ones, the punching chaos, the the iPod. It's all it's all there. It's all great. It makes absolutely no sense for this to be Fucking a Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense for this game to be a Final Fantasy One prequel. It looks like shit. Chaos. Yeah, it looks like a slower Dark Souls two somehow. Uh, but like it has a job system, so I'm fucking here for it. <laughs> it's uh, you you went a different way, uh, with that. I I looked at best moment in games as like a moment that happened in a game you played, but that is a completely valid. Uh, you're you're saying the best thing that came out of video games in 2021 was, was, was that fucking trailer that was taking itself all seriously. And yeah. That dude shows up in that in that t-shirt. And he just keeps saying chaos and he won't fucking stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my best moment in games, uh, and I'm I'm like bastardizing these categories just to fit in games that I can't fit in otherwise. Uh, is is I told my wife about that game unpacking, and then she just goes into the Xbox store on PC, and she just downloads it and starts playing it. I'm like, that game's not out until tomorrow, and she's like actively playing it. I'm like, well, look at you. Playing a game at, <laughs> you you uh, did it. Early. I proceeded to watch her play the whole thing basically, just like over her shoulder watching her put, do this unpacking game. And it's a tough game to watch in that it's a game about organization. It's very free form. Uh, so to watch what someone would do to put something away, how someone would organize something versus how you would organize something, it becomes like a backseat gaming game for sure. But I tried to just keep my, uh, keep my cool. Every time you go to a new level in that game, 
uh, there's a moment where you're disoriented. Uh, all you know is that you've you've moved. You're in a new place. Who are you? Are you the same person? Do you have the same stuff? Why are you here? What has transpired? And a lot of people are giving this game kudos in terms of its storytelling because of this, because it is entirely telling a story through its gameplay, uh, through what you're. So you like you open up a box. And you see, you see this little thing that this person has had in their life since she, she was a kid, since she moved into that house uh, how many levels ago. Then you move in with a boyfriend, and you still have some of your things. Now there's nowhere to put anything, and you have a lot of doubles of things. Uh, that's how that game tells its story. It never just has dialogue or t- it says, this is what's happening now. It's, uh, it's telling you those moments with opening up the box and seeing what's inside, seeing what's important to this character, where they are now, what they've decided to take with them, and where they could be going in the, uh, in the future. It's, it's kind of powerful, in this game that was basically just made by people who make UIs, and they're just like, we can make a real snappy, clean-up-your-room game. Who would play this? And it turns out everybody would play this. That's an excellent, chill-sounding game. But then to also put that little bit of, I'm assuming, intentional heart uh, into how you're telling your story and what, what items this person's bringing. Uh, one, one moment uh, in particular that confuses people is you clearly move out of your boyfriend's house and you move back with your parents at one point in the game. And uh, you're going through your stuff, and you're pulling all your your shit out again. And there's a picture of, presumably, you and him. And people get confused by this item as to what they're supposed to do with it. The game is very free and loose as to where you can put stuff away. If you want to put the toothbrush in the bedroom, go for it. Uh, But it wants you to specifically hide this item. And then, so people would put it in the garbage can and try to light it on fire, try to put it under their pillow and stuff like that, and it wouldn't work. And it specifically just wanted you to put it in a drawer out of sight. Uh, and that was maybe the, the most, most forceful part of the game in terms of its storytelling, in terms of a moment where you just you understand no, not a word has been spoken in this game, but you understand what this item is and what it means to the character you're representing. It's very interesting. I think you could agree. Uh, if, uh, so here's the thing about unpacking. <laughs> it turns out if, the person in the photo is your sister. Oh, my God. Uh, it turns out that it, it, like, it's like other games could learn from this. Other games could be subtle. Uh, obviously, this is a game that demands your attention. It's putting an item in your hands and telling you to, to regard it. Uh, but then there's st- stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy. I go into Drax's bedroom, and he has sarcasm for dummies sitting on his bed. And then later on, I see him just in the common room, and he's reading it. He's like he's like halfway through the book. Uh, and then I see later on that he's further through the book. This is something that the game does not bring attention to. But if it's, it's something that you've noticed, it makes it feel that much more full and like like a living breathing thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go to most disappointing game. Oh, this one's easy for me again and it's Halo Infinite. Nice. Um so after <laughs> enjoying the multiplayer and the opening bit of Halo Infinite, I was very much uh ecstatic for the rest of the game. Um, especially hearing all the 9 out of 10 reviews, 10 out of 10 reviews, uh, everybody's saying like, oh, it's like the best exclusive of the year. Yeah. Best exclusive of the year. It's (laughs) like easily, like it's, it's a return to form for Halo. And then I like played like the two, like the other two thirds of the story and I was vastly disappointed. Um, we've covered it in length on previous episodes, so I won't go into it in any great depth, but, uh, it completely abandoned Halo 5 in like two seconds, which... I feel like that's too quick to just, like, completely... I feel like there's an entire game missing here, essentially. An entire story missing here. Uh, sudden if you're going to replace it with something better, that's fine, but they don't. Yeah. Uh, sudden changes in character, morality, like, in, two, in, in like a snap, and uh, it completely deflates 
the effectiveness of their turn in previous games. Um, yeah, just like the same enemies coming back that we faced since Halo One, um, stuff like that. Like it's it's just super. It was disappointing to say the least. And yeah, we yeah. covered it in length, so I won't go into it. Yeah, uh, that was a a big consideration. It's my honorable mention for this. Uh, but the true most disappointing game for me, and you know, it's a pandemic. This is when they decided to do this thing. But this, the, the idea that they decided to do this at all. So let's think about MMORPGs. Let's think about uh, Final Fantasy uh, 14 and how they completely relaunched it. And now it's one of the biggest games of all time. Like you, sure. you queue up for, for five hours to just get into the game. They had to take it off sale because too many people were playing it. Uh, that kind of <coughs> stuff. So when I heard that they were going to relaunch the like almost 10-year-old Fantasy Star Online 2 that they were going to do the work and actually remake that game in a, like, from the ground up, everybody can start on an even level, uh, like, kind of sub-game to this first game. I was like, man, are they going to put the time in to make that worth it, to make it a full game? Or are we going to be guinea pigs, or this is just going to be, what is this? And then I played it, and it was not very good. Uh, there are some major differences to the to the combat from the first game, but otherwise it is the exact like they they didn't in like not that I was expecting them to they didn't really change anything up. It still feels like a ten year old game. the The onboarding, the story, everything is very streamlined, uh, and it does it get you to understand how Fantasy Star Online Two works faster, better? Is it a better onboarding game? Absolutely, one hundred percent, yes. But then that's all there is. Uh, it teaches you how to play the game, and then you may as well go back to the original, very daunting, like, stepping into a Japanese uh, MMO ten years after it's been out, the amount of content and things to do uh, that the game doesn't really point you towards is is ridiculous. But that content is still there, and I would still like to enjoy that. So maybe the idea would have been better to do, like, a WoW classic. You know, they, like, started WoW over. And it's like, no expansions. It's it's vanilla WoW for a couple of years, and then we're going to introduce the first one, blah, blah, blah. On paper, sounds great. And on paper, sounds like something I would want out of Fantasy Star 2. But then I realize I'd be pl still playing that 10-year-old game with even less bells and whistles, with even less to do. And I think that that game has just passed me by. And that Sega's attempt here in New Genesis to reboot Fantasy Star Online 2, this massive game in Japan that they took too long to release in North America, is super disappointing. And that uh, this game that, that, you know, I should be all over. Fantasy Star Online is one of my favorite games of all time uh, that I just have to kind of pass up at this point. And if I was going to play a game like this, it wouldn't be this one. It'd be Destiny or something like that. If I wanted to just play a game that has endless content and good gameplay, uh, it wouldn't be Fantasy Star. So that's disappointing to me. But also Halo is fucking disappointing. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to cut it off there. The rest of our categories, including our top seven, will be included in the next week's episode. And then we'll do a compilation episode, as well as our Resident Evil compilation episode coming up. So, at uh, Tits Iceberg. What? Yeah. Is that us on Twitter? What are we? Uh, Yo, <laughs> Iceberg Podcast. You tell me. I don't have Twitter. <laughs> at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. That sounds right. Uh, Lee at TitsTheIceberg.com is our email address. Send us questions, topics, and gamer crimes. Uh, and we'll rate them <laughs> on a scale of fuck me to Jesus Christ. Uh, for myself, Lee, for Reed, thanks as always for signing up and for listening. And we'll uh, talk to you next week when we conclude our game of the year. <laughs>